Welcome back to the Terror Zone Podcast. You are now listening to my ass talk about nothing. I feel like sometimes I don't even need to do an intro. Like, I feel like I'm taking up your time. I have nothing to say. I do this because I want to talk to other people. I don't want to hear my fucking self-talk. Uh, there's a bunch of shows going on. Um, you know, I was trying to compile a list of shows going on. But if you're listening to this, you already know what shows are happening. It's not like I'm fucking telling anything that you already don't know. So I'm going to cut that out of my intros. I was like, oh, yeah, a recent Detroit Hardcore News. Nobody cares. You already know. I just want to uh, give... Uh, Kenny, a proper introduction, because he took the time to come on my podcast. If you listen to this, you know who Kenny is. I don't think anybody would listen to this if they didn't know who he was. So, uh, in my eyes, he's he's been fucking going to shows as long as I remember. He's always friendly with everybody, uh, somebody you can always get along with and you know fucking laugh and talk shit with. You know, I mean, keep yourself busy with Kenny. He's a fun guy. Um. We just kind of had a, like a stroll down memory lane type conversation, and it was good. It was good. Uh, he brought up some things that I didn't remember and things I didn't know about you know, my past fucking you know eighteen twenty years in the scene. And he just showed up with just a just a few years before me. And him and his friends are who I kind of looked up to uh, when I started going to shows and recognizing faces. And he was one of the guys who you know, a lot of people were fucking dickheads. You know that. If you're into hardcore, you know how people are. Fucking cocksuckers. But you start coming around. They warm up to you. That's what it was. Is his friends, you know, they're like, who's the new guy? Like, that's me. That's me. I'm just an innocent a little man who don't know, who doesn't know anything about hardcore or the scene or how, you know, anything really works in the music scene. You know, there's like unspoken rules, things you learn and things you don't do, things you do. And uh, it was good. It was a good conversation. Uh, he was also in a band called Retribution. We talked about that. That's not a band anymore, but they were pretty big around here. They did lots of fun shows. Uh, didn't travel too far. They weren't around very long. I thought about putting their song in the beginning of this podcast, but it's old news. If you want to find them, it's on Bandcamp. Uh, the name band name is Retribution. A couple demos on there and uh four or five song whatever check it out it's uh i mean if you like hardcore then you probably like the band especially detroit hardcore bitch we don't fuck around out here he's the type of guy who really never left the scene a lot of us have gone for a few years when we first found hardcore and we either got too busy or we moved on or we had kids and other priorities in life. And I'm not saying Kenny doesn't have priorities, but he's always been down for the motherfucking cause. I don't think he's ever stopped going to shows ever unless he like had to work. But you know, people take fucking 
years off and start going back. And he's he's a true OG. You know, everybody loves him. He said I made him blush when I was telling him, him that in the podcast. Like he's never, I've never seen him in an argument. I never heard, oh fucking Kenny hit somebody or oh, someone's mad at Kenny. That just didn't happen. He's the fucking sweetest, nicest guy there is. Totally positive. He, if uh, I remember when I first started seeing him around shows, I didn't mention this in the podcast, but he always had a Bane hoodie on. Always a Bane hoodie. Or a uh, track jacket fucking zipped all the way up to his fucking face, uh, up to his mouth, it seemed. With his big bald-ass head poking out. I love you, Kenny. Thank you for doing this. And uh, I'd love to do it again with you. I could, I could talk for hours. It was fun. You've been around a long time. You're a sweetheart. And um, I don't know when I'll have another one out. I try to have some shit planned here and there, but I'm busy. Got a couple weekends of shit to do. And LDB Fest is coming up March 11th and 12th in Kentucky. I'm excited to go to that. There's so many bands on there that I didn't even start listening to to the past couple years, to be honest. Most of them have been around quite a while, but uh, I was one of those guys who really was stuck in my ways of listening to what I want to listen to and never gave a fuck about giving other people a chance. And I wasn't on Instagram or Twitter or none of that shit, really. So I guess that's my excuse of not knowing who a lot of these bands are till the past two years or so, like fucking you know, Drain and... Uh, you know, Queensway. I knew who they were. Uh, Tsunami. I just found out who they were about a year ago. So I, I, I fucking miss them. You know, um, Mind Force and God's Hate. I just gotta be honest. I'm not a real hardcore kid. I don't know who that shit was till two years ago. But I love it all, and I'm glad I've opened my mind and started doing this podcast and have been exposed to other bands and uh, seen other things that. I otherwise would not have listened to, honestly, if I didn't start this podcast, because I felt I had to do my due diligence by listening to everything that's out and uh, giving other music a chance. So I can talk about it or possibly have some content with uh, members of those bands. Always into that. But I just want to thank you guys, as always. Please check out the podcast, share the podcast, follow on Instagram, do whatever you got to do. I try to do this, obviously, for some sort of entertainment. If you don't like it, shut it off. So, uh, there's nothing really uh, else to say, but thanks for listening. And stay on the lookout for more shit. Here's my cat, my one-eyed cat. Here she comes messing all up. You probably jump on the table, but if you get excited... He'll know, and he'll, uh, he might bite you. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, might. <laughs> you want my, my cat's pretty sassy, too, and he, he doesn't, it takes a long time for him to warm up to new people. Yeah. Like, a, a long time, and, uh, we, one of my friends was over a couple of weeks ago, and he, my cat was cool with him for, like, for maybe for, like, an hour, and then he pet him the wrong way, and he, let him, he didn't bite him, but he... He let him know. He started going, <laughs> get excited. Yeah, yeah. With this one, like, so he's a male, and we have an old female cat upstairs, and she's so afraid of him. He doesn't do much, but like, want to play because he's so much younger, and like, he just like stands by her. She's, 
forwards, like screams <laughs> at him. And he's so hyper, wants to play. And uh, whenever he comes over, like, I'll pet him, but he just fucking bites me. Or I'll hold him, he'll be all cool and cuddly, just <laughs> bite my arm. He'll be like, all right, dude, just... If he just sort of like pushed like his direction, like I want to go this way, I just let you go. Yeah, but he just bites like. <laughs> it's I, mean. I think that's <laughs> the funny thing about cats is like how like dogs can be temperamental to an extent, but cats are like almost bipolar. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, like with like what they want and they need, like sometimes you know they'll be real affectionate, and then on a flip of a dime, they'll and no warning. Yeah, they're just. <laughs> Scratching shit. I'm just... Snap at yeah. Yeah. And he walks around. He runs his fucking place. We got him just in the uh, beginning of December. He was like an outdoor cat. He just started coming around. And uh, and the neighbors behind us, like they were like feeding him. I don't know why, but he kept coming to our house. And so we started like feeding him. <laughs> and then uh, they were like, we seen him go to her house. And my wife and I were like, we fucking love that cat. We just want it. And she's like, are you guys going to have it? I was like, okay, cool. so we took it in, like thinking it'd be like cool, like because we've taken in like other cats before that were, yeah. it was fine, but like, he's fucking crazy. He's <laughs> <laughs> not like aggressive, like towards like me or my kids, but it's like, it's like he just fuck run shit. Like I think he's like he's really like feral. I don't know. I don't know what even feral means. I just know he's been outside a long time. He has to be because the way he acts. Yeah. Well, though, so he has one eye, and the vet said it was like a he. Was like surgically removed. It's all healed like properly. Like so, somebody yeah. had him before, and he's also uh, what's it called when they don't have their balls anymore? It's either neutered or they're neutered. Oh, yeah. okay. Spade would be female. Okay, yes, yeah. I don't know the difference, but uh, I was like, okay, somebody had him at one point. That's weird. I wonder. It's kind of sad that you know you just hopefully it wasn't a case where like someone straight up abandoned him, and that was maybe he just got loose and never made his way back home or something like that. Yeah. So. I mean, it's pretty cool. Like, he knew, like, what, like, a litter box and shit was, like, right away. Okay, yeah. so, yeah, then he, he was definitely domesticated <laughs> to some extent. So. But he's fucking crazy. I love him. They're like, this cat's nuts, dude. This what is this? I was one eye scares everybody. <laughs> he's like the governor we call him. He looks like he's been through some shit. Like, for real. <laughs> yeah, he don't fuck around. Like, I mean, whatever. I like him. He's nice. He's still coming around. Like, he won't sit on the couch, like, with us. Like, yeah, like, sometimes he'll, like, come by us and... And we'll pet him, and it's like, eh, and just go away. I'm like, all right. <laughs> it's enough affection for yeah, me. Yeah, he's not in the mood for it. You know, my, my cat's the same way with a lot. I mean, he's a little bit, he shows me a little bit more affection. Well, he shows my wife a fair amount of affection, too. But he'll definitely have his moods where he'll get all cuddly. And then he gets up, and he's over it. And you can't. <laughs> force him to do it anymore like he is done like, <laughs> he's gonna go off into the basement and hide for about like six hours <laughs> and you, you're not gonna see him for the rest of the day i love him. cats are fun but um, this isn't the cat podcast this is a hardcore <laughs> podcast about you Kenny. awesome so i mean i remember like i used to go to punk shows and shit but i remember uh, one of the first shows i ever seen you at was um you probably remember the old uh, refuge skate shop. It was uh, Righteous Jams. Oh, the one, the, the Telegraph location? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Like oh, ambush play, remember that Ambush? Was yeah, it was, that was like Ambush's, that might have ended up being Ambush's last show, because they <laughs> only played like four times. Uh, yeah, I think that was their last show. And all, they played four shows, they were all at Refuge. Uh, I remember the, sh- the crowd for that show being kind of, not really split, but a lot of people left early, because, uh, I think maybe the, I might have my shows mixed up. I'm pretty sure it was the same night. It's All Gone to Hell was playing the same night at Alvin's. Oh, okay. I think. And I, I didn't go to that show because I was, I was like, they'll play again. You know, it was the first time they had played in a while, I think. 
But I was like, all right, they'll play again. And I'm not sure they ever played a show after that. <laughs> they might have played one more time after that at Alvin's, like in 05. Yeah, uh, Kill Everyone and uh, Tyrant, I believe. Okay. Then, yeah. yeah, I did see them one time after that. Uh, but, yeah, I remember a lot, a lot of, a fair amount of kids. Like, a lot of kids were still there for Righteous Chance, but a lot of kids ended up leaving because they're just like, you know, people that might have been friends with or with uh, Ambush or mm-hmm. I can't remember who else. Maybe I think Razzle Dazzle. Yeah, Razzle Dazzle and uh, uh, Detroit Birds, even maybe. Yeah, Detroit yeah, Birds yeah, played that show. Did. I think it might have been their first show, but mm-hmm. they wanted to see, like, I think Razzle Dazzle and Ambush, and then they bounced. Uh, but yeah, that show was fun. I, I that that old refuge location was pretty cool because of how just Eric had that that small uh, part in the back where, where he actually used to, I think, print like T-shirts and stuff, and okay. he clear it out for the show. It was like a loading garage or something. Yeah, I don't that's know what the that's what it was. was. Uh, but I think it got to a point where he he could. That's one of the reasons why he wanted to get the bigger location. We moved the Michigan Avenue uh, is because. He wanted to have his T-shirt press and still have enough stock, but also his inventory just got too big. But it was definitely a special time, like oh four, oh five, uh, when he had that that old location. Uh, Mental played there a couple times. Those shows were awesome. Outbreak, I believe. Outbreak. That was the first show I went. That was Ambush's first show. Uh, three band bell. The show was over in like less than two hours. <laughs> right, because they're all. Uh, yeah, they played I, a thousand songs in five yeah, minutes. Well, yeah, well, no, and that's the thing. The first uh, ambush, ambush only had like I think four or five songs. Their set was like maybe fifteen twenty minutes. Yeah. Uh, and there was like I don't know if them and Let Die shared gear or what, but you know, it was one band after the other. And the the show started at eight and was done by like nine thirty. Ah. And it was cool. It was just like, oh, and I remember being on weeknights. It was like, all right, everyone can go home and get to bed early and everything. Either go to school or, or get, yeah, exactly. or to work. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so. and I, I wish more so. Like that. That's the one thing I used. Uh, that I think Refuge and Eric have always been pretty good on. And I think maybe it might speak to Eric being a little bit older gentleman. Uh, I'm an <laughs> old gentleman myself, but Eric's a little a bit older. Uh, is that he's always been about having shows done at a certain time and having them done as quick as possible. Because <laughs> he, he wants to get to bed, and he knows a lot of other people do too. And uh, I wish there was more shows at Refuge. Obviously, with you know pandemic happened, they kind of put a stop to it. And obviously, more recently, you know, Sanctuary has become like the spot. You know, yeah, and for- so then I think it's cool to have like a more streamlined location as far as hardcore shows as well. Uh Sorry, I kind of deterred off there. Just no, that's going great. Just, it's just I have a big affection for a lot of those shows that you know any of the refuge locations. Uh, yeah, because I only been to the old one. That was like one of the first like shows, like hardcore shows, I guess. I, I mean, I seen like bleeding through and maybe like on Earth and shit. Okay, time. so like bigger shit, the yeah, shelter, yeah, yeah. So I never, I've been or like. A local, I'm a quit your life show. Remember that band? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you so know, like something like Don Polsky's exactly. or um, yeah, like loser shit. <laughs> what was there a cafe in like downtown Wyandotte that Quit Your Life used to play at or something like that? Yeah, it was like a coffee shop. Um, what was it called? This band, uh, from like Good Cop Bad Cop used to play there. Um, I forgot what it was called, but it was like a like a, a cafe of some sort. Was it the grind? Did they play the grind? No. No, I, I think that was, was, there was, yeah, there was too like, dirty. Oh, but it was. I forgot what it was called, but they used to play there because they would do like uh, there's like open mic like shows and like there. Yeah, like yeah, I remember time, that. Like different days, I forgot what it was called, but I seen them there a couple times. But I remember they played Don Polsky's back when it was Don Polsky's, and it's now gone through like 500 other different 
names <laughs> at this point. Uh, all, all rookies now. Is it? Okay. What was it? Grizzlies a year ago? <laughs> Less yeah, than a year ago? Why not Bears, bro? <laughs> So stupid, but you know. So those are those are the shows that I was used to. And then even for like Ambush and Razzle Dazzle, it was like a different. Like, type we of should mosh. probably make it clear that there's moth, a, moth. A, a bigger Ambush fan that started <laughs> after this. There was a local Detroit Ambush that a lot of people might not be aware of. They were only a band for like six months, yeah, half a year. They only played a handful of shows. <laughs> yeah, they even had a seven inch. So I remember that. Yes, they had their demo seven inch that uh, a few of our friends from Flint end up putting out. Uh, if anybody has it, fucking tell me and somehow get it to me. I don't know where my copies are. I had yeah. like three different copies of that. And a little rhino on it, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those are all gone. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm sure there, there, some are probably in my mom's basement somewhere. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't been able to keep tabs on a lot of stuff like that. I'm sure I traded one for. Some other record or something uh, like that. Uh, fuck. We have but, to find it one day. Somebody's got it. Yeah. <laughs> I know uh, Nick Z has to have one. Is I I would be surprised. <laughs> I, he he's probably going to get mad at us even mentioning his band. Probably. Never. He's probably hoping to to bury that. Just like I kind of want to bury retribution at some point. So we're here to talk <laughs> about retribution. Can't forget about retribution. And no, but see what I was getting at is. So I was going to say, that's like the first show I, I ever seen you. And it seemed like every show I went to after that was like, you were the first person that I noticed that was always there. Like, you know how like people like become familiar? You know, like, oh yeah, that guy was at that show. Or he was mosh. And it's like, I always seen you. And every show uh, I ever went to after that, I was like, there's that fucking guy. Well, I, I, I literally like that, you know, in my late teens, early 20s, mid 20s, that kind of was just what I did, you know. And, uh, you know, I... You know, I it was I didn't I was single. I didn't have a girlfriend. I you know just loved seeing bands, and you know any money that I made kind of just went towards like going to see more and more bands, or maybe buying merch, or going out of town and seeing bands in Cleveland or Toronto, Chicago, whatever. And you know I you know hardcore was like the number one goal. You know, uh, in my late teens and early twenties. I know those shows were cool, and like, and people, you may, you said a lot. Of, that's a lot of people's first impression of me that I've heard is like they would see me at every single show, and it didn't matter like what subgenre of hardcore it was, yeah. or whether it was a youth crew band, a beatdown band, metalcore, whatever. They always saw me, and it's like, <laughs> well, yeah, because I like all these bands, and this is what I like to do. Yeah, I was like, how the fuck's he get around, man? <laughs> you know, it's like, well, okay, like, well, I'm here, so he's here. So fair it's, amount. It's weird, you know? uh, meeting Ramona. Uh, when I was like 18, helped a lot, and uh, interning like for her kind of Live Nation and everything, and oh, okay. she was running the shelter, and uh, even like doing like little promo things for her when she moved to Alvin's and everything. Uh, that helped because Ramona would put me on guest list all the time, so mm-hmm. that like that's how I even got to go into even more shit. Is that like I if I didn't have to worry about paying it because Ramona would always hook me up. Uh, bless her heart. Uh, and no, because I would pass out flyers or put up posters, and you know I would do all, all, all this legwork just to get in the, the shows, and uh, that that definitely helped with like being able to go to so many things, you Fuck know. Yeah. Fuck, how many shows do you think you've been to? <laughs> oh, I have no. It, it. I remember at one point in my twenties, I think I was averaging at least two hundred a year. It was somewhere along there. Well, I mean, it also depends on what you count as a show. Like there would be like. 
concerts, like big, bigger shit that I, I didn't want to go to, but because like Ramona or whoever her bosses were needed someone to like pass out flyers outside of them, mm-hmm. I would, yeah. I would still go. I'd be oh, like, yeah. like Mudvayne, which I, I, full disclosure, I love old ass Mudvayne, uh, but Mud Mudvayne would play like the Fillmore uh, or something. And mm-hmm. I'd go flyer at shows like that and stuff like that. Uh, uh, so, I mean, I always thought you were like, you know, like, not too much older than me either. Uh, well, how, how old is it? There's only like five years between us. What year were you born? Eighty nine. No, eighty seven. Oh, then there's even less years. We're only three. I'm only three years older okay, than you. I'm I, thought so, I just thought you were way. I older. thought I was way. I thought I was too. I thought I was like a good five or six years older than you. <laughs> yeah, and for some reason, uh, I don't know who used to say it, but uh, I think it was Don Armstrong he used to call you like a uh, like Papa Hardcore or something like that. Well, the thing, I'm only a year older than Don. <laughs> I'm only a year older than him. Like, it's, it's only because I, the thing is, I looked so much older because I had a beard since I was like eight, 17, 18 years old. Uh, and I started balding really quickly too. So it, it aged me really quickly. Uh, so everyone already assumed I was like deep into my thirties when I was like 22. Uh, <laughs> which was not the case. Everyone thought I was like, I oh. thought you were so much older than me. No, I was like, now. oh, yeah, you saw Cold as Life like all these times. Back. Like, people th- think I was at that for sure. Uh, I was not. I don't, I can't, I don't know what year that was, but I'm pretty sure I was probably in junior high. Yeah, it was 98. Okay, yeah, I was still, yeah. I was, or it was either eighth or grade or, or, uh, freshman year of high school, which I know a lot of kids do get into hardcore at those ages. I had, I was still very metal. Okay. At that point, like my my musical journey had really just begun. At that point, it took me till about sixteen, seventeen years old until I was like into hardcore. Okay. Uh, but yeah, people always think like I'm like Lenny's age or Eric <laughs> Z's age, and no, those guys got quite a bit on me still. Like, there's a bit of an age gap. I just poor genetics or whatever. I you <laughs> know genetics. I don't know what. It, well, no, it's for real. Like. This is going a little off topic from hardcore, but it's just fine. real quick interjection. I've seen pictures of my my grandfather uh, when he was in his early twenties, already bald, like yeah. already like little like patch here, and just like oh okay, so that's that's where where it came from, you know? That's what kind of fucked me. Yeah, my dad was bald. I'm fucking bald. I was. I'm not all the way bald, but pretty bad. Pretty bad. Yeah. That, but yeah, same shit genetics, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> like lucky me. But uh, yeah, I mean, you're always always good impression of you too. Like I don't even know when we started like talking. I never hung out with you outside of a show. I don't think. But from my recollection, I think I'm assuming. I think Danny Albright introduced me uh, introduced me to you and Randy at the same time. Yeah, I was always with Randy uh, at that time. Yeah. It was been like 0405ish. I'm pretty it had to be at an Alvin show. That's my recollection, I think. Yeah. Well, that's like the only like the spot for like well, for me is either that or the Magic Stick and it was pretty yeah. much always Alvin, especially when uh, Ramon yeah. was running shit. Before before 2006, I mean there'd be certain things that would be uh at the stick, but mo- the majority from like uh Late 03, early 04, all the way through all of 05, all, almost all of Ramona's stuff was at, uh, was at Alvin's. There'd be certain things, little things here and there where if Alvin's already was, had something else booked, she would, uh, do the Hayloft instead. Mm-hmm. She did that for a while, which I, like I was, I was not the biggest fan. Far. Like, 
uh, and his thing, I never had a problem driving to Mount Clemens. It just that the venue never felt like home. It never felt like home the way that Alvin's does or that the stick does. Yeah, for uh, sure. I know exactly what you're saying. So it, it, it never felt like it was ours. It always felt like we were occupying space in someone else's home. Right, yeah, exactly, like an away team. Yeah, like, yeah, what are we no, doing here? Like, exactly. And, and I mean, shit always popped off there still, but it's like, I always felt like a little uncomfortable. Like, yeah. I don't know security here. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen if I do something stupid. <laughs> you know? I, I think that's the thing with a place like Alvin's at that time. Most of the security and the bartenders were they were all punkers anyways. Mm-hmm. You know, they were, they were all in the punk rock hardcore exactly. emo. They were into the scene. Yeah. Uh, so they got it. They you were know, put up with the they, antics. Yeah. You know? To to as much as possible. I mean, I'm sure there were times over there that, that they we not us per se, but people that we know and people that we're friends with. Mm-hmm. Probably went a little bit too far, but I mean, that's just, I guess I would think it was the nature of the beast, you know? Yeah. And that was an era or like a time when shit was crazy. And that was like my first, like, when I started like really paying attention instead of just like going to shows, I'm like fucking looking at all these people around me. I was like, these are all fucking maniacs. (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) they're scary. Especially like 17, 18, like 25, 30, 35 year old dudes just fucking going crazy. And I'm like, I'm out here like mosh. I'm like trying not to get knocked out. You buy a fucking bar stool. (laughs) (laughs) See, and that's the thing. It got to the point where like, me, when I first started going to shows, I saw a little bit of that and it kind of jilted me. But after being into it for so long, it just became the norm. Now, thinking back on it, uh, being a bit older than I am now, it's like, man, a lot of my friends were really fucking crazy. <laughs> like, did some crazy shit to each other, to other people. Uh, it, it's shit that I don't... Very rarely will we ever see again. Uh, as far as, like, people throwing trash cans or... Mic stands, whatever, uh, big ass, just gigantic brawls happening for no reason. Yeah, uh, just there's a new guy at a show. Yeah, so everyone's on a fucking people getting them. thrown down the staircase at Alvin's or mm. the stick. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I've seen people get thrown down both stairs. Um, <laughs> awful, absolutely awful. Uh, people getting thrown across the the pool table at Alvin's and stuff like that crazy shit. Like, people people starting fights when people are just trying to play a game of CeeLo on the pool, pool table at Alvin's. <laughs> uh, people losing their shoes during dice games at Alvin's. Uh, fuck, they have to... Well, the only one I know, at least, is Danny Albright, for sure. Yeah, I've heard that story. Yeah. I wasn't there for that, but I've heard that story multiple times. Was that at Alvin's, or was that just at a party? Mm, it was either Alvin's, or... In fucking Port Huron at that uh, North. That sounds place. right. That yeah. maybe that's what it is. No, because I I think I, me and uh, do you know Jimmy Claros? Yeah. Him and I had the conversation about it because Jimmy was at that show. I don't. I wasn't. It was. I only made, went out to the Grotto so many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, another crazy ass place. Oh, uh, yeah, anything goes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I remember hearing that story about. I think Danny bet all his money and his shoes. And then he not. Then someone else have to pay for him to actually get into the show or something. Dude, everybody paid for Danny to get shows. He'd have money in his pocket. Like, can you just pay for me? I'm like, for what, you motherfucker? Like, why am I paying? <laughs> See, and that's for you? the thing because he was he was so young at the time, and he had that charm about him, and yeah. he just had that little smile, and you you're like, okay, fine, <laughs> like, yeah. He's so annoying, yeah. Rest in peace, Danny. Yeah, I still think about the little fucker. I I wonder how many people he's finessed out of like show money. 
right here, like, <laughs> guilty. Sure, like, like, like a shirt. Like, I have $8 <laughs> and it's 15 Like, I guess I'll give you my You want to know what? Instead of buying him shirts, because, like, I was getting fat on a daily basis, <laughs> even though the shirts were too big for him, like, I'd have, like, larges I couldn't fit into because I, w- I had to be in an XL. I'd be like, how about I will just give you my hand-me-downs <laughs> instead, even though they won't fit you because you're, like, 120 pounds. <laughs> stretched out. <Yeah. laughs> it's a little hang time in the back, you know? Yep. I hate, I hate when my shirts do that. I don't want to hang out in the back. Mine all hang out in the front because of how big my gut <laughs> keeps getting. Yeah, dude, same, same. <laughs> but... It's fun. That's why I started this podcast. Talk to people like you because I like I like going back in time. I know shit's like cool and fun now, but there is everybody's got their uh, you know, glory days. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I like talking about, and you know, it's how I met certain people or like influences. Like I couldn't tell you how many times you probably hand me a flyer that there's a band I never heard of on there, yep. you know, or even just walking outside of Alvin's and along the wall, all the flyers because of you know you putting them up or fucking Ramona putting them yep. up. And then I, I used to love that window where it would just be posters on posters in the front window. Yeah. Right that was, I love that because you, you just be hanging out and like Ramona might not have formally announced like a show was happening yet, but she'd always had the poster up in the window at Alvin's. And you would be, go to a show at, at Alvin's, and then you would see a poster for a new show that you weren't aware of yet, and you'd be stoked all over again. And that that was great about that place. Yeah. Or you'd get like a you'd like a printed flyer, but it would have like eight or ten shows for like the summer the on strips, it. The strips. I yeah. love the strip flyers. That was the – and here's the one thing. I'm um, I'm sure there's other people that might have did this. I hope there's other people that did this. I wish I would have collected those. I, I, I'm mad at myself that I didn't – I, considering how many I would have in my hand, yeah. At any given time, I'm sad that I didn't like put like random ones in like shoe boxes and stuff like that to keep his mementos. Because I'm sure if we went back and saw some of those lamps, they would be mind blowing to us, and they'd probably be especially mind blowing to like younger kids. You know, oh, yeah. it'd be well, like, well, look, see, these are the only two I have from Alvin's, the Sherry Robin one. Hoods one. Yeah, this was the the same show. But they just had two flyers because they both had. Well, that was like the eulogy tour, wasn't it? It was all eulogy yeah, bands. Okay. Yeah, I remember yeah, that the tour. Uh, street brutality tour, shattered realm, black my heart, Donnie Brook, hoods, and I think Tyrant played it too. Yeah, I, but the thing is, what sucked is I'm pretty sure I got to that show late because I mi- ended up missing Tyrant, Black My Heart. I only got to see Black My Heart the one time when they played at the Warren Knights uh, of Columbus. Oh, Knights of Columbus, no. Yeah, at uh, Nine and Mound. I didn't see them there. I only seen them there one time. It was them, th- them, and, them and Let It Die played at the Knights of Columbus and Warren. <laughs> uh, that show was ridiculous. It was like, before or after this? That, the... It's after that. Okay. It, was, it was when Let It Die was winding it down the, the first time around. How the so fuck I missed that? 2005-ish, 06 maybe? Son of a bitch. Uh, but yeah, it was when, it was one of Let It Die's like, it was one of the last shows they played on their their last run through, mm-hmm. uh, before they broke up until like the the 2011 reunion. Uh, that show was bonkers, fights, <laughs> people just losing their shit to not just Black My Heart or Let It Die, but I only remember who all the other bands that played it. But probably Bishop I, or something. <laughs> I don't think there's another touring band. I think it was everyone else was locals, but. People were losing their shit the entire night, and that show was so stupid. I don't think there's been another show at the, that night's of Columbus since because they <laughs> were so sick of our shit. Fuck, man. Yeah, I remember one of the craziest shows I ever seen. Fucking let it die. 
It was in the winter time. It wasn't even around here. I don't know where it was. I don't could have been Port Huron, but maybe like as like a Legion or something. Okay. Um, you were probably there. Uh, I remember it was like a crazy pit, blah blah blah, and somebody somehow a spare tire like ended up like inside. The <laughs> I place. don't think I was at that show, but that sounds fucking. No, yeah, because I'm pretty sure any Port Huron show I went to was pretty much at the Grotto, okay. from my recollection. No, no, yeah. So this was for sure in Port Huron because I was surprised to see all like the uh, Toledo people, like uh, Mickey and all those people, and his name was Adam. That was a. And before I knew, like uh, Pearson, like uh, the strength and honor. Yeah, guys. well, those those dudes would always go everywhere. Yeah, like all those Toledo kids. Even though there, were, I mean, there was not a lot of shows in Toledo at that time, so they did not give a fuck about coming to Detroit, going to Port Huron, uh, Lansing, Ann Arbor, wherever. Like they would go anywhere because there wasn't there'd be like something at like uh, maybe Frankie's every once in a while or uh, headliners. Oh, you know, yeah, but yeah, headliners yeah, were more British, but it would be only every so often. Uh, it wasn't how maybe Frankie's got the last couple of years before the pandemic mm-hmm. or uh, how Awa Tavern is now. Uh, so those dudes, you know, the closest shows they could come to was Detroit <laughs> yeah. or, you know, Michigan. They were up here. They were at shows pretty much as often as I was, yeah. which was awesome. Well, at that time too, it was probably at least five, once a week for like two years. It seemed like there's a show, like a hardcore show, like once, oh, twice that, a week, maybe yeah. like four or five times a month at least. Like what the fuck? Well, I felt like every you'd have at least one every weekend. It seemed like uh, Friday or Saturday night or both nights in a row, and then at least every other week there'd be one in the middle of the week as well, That's like so on a Tuesday or Wednesday night. Uh, it, it, it's kind of crazy, like how how often shows happen back then. Uh, but I, I feel like it has slowed down to an extent. Even pre-pandemic, I feel like it was slowing down mm-hmm. a little bit, uh, which is cool because it doesn't hurt my wallet as <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, as much, especially with like how the prices of shows have gone up because inflation goes up. So bands need more money for gas. Yeah, and, f- yeah. and music is free now. So Pretty much, yeah. I I, I pay you know fifteen bucks a month for my Spotify or whatever, <laughs> yeah. and or where I I still buy. I make sure if I really really love a band, I usually buy the vinyl. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know where we were going talking about the old bands and shit. <laughs> but what I got for you, I wrote some shit down. Oh yeah, uh, this, ain't, this ain't a bad question. Like, uh, it's like, well. What was your first like hardcore show? You said you went like metal and shit. Or, like my, my were first, you in there the coldest life days? <laughs> no, no, I ju- I literally just missed that. I was thinking about this earlier because I, I had a feeling you were going to ask me about yeah, this. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I just missed out on like coldest lives. I but see that thing. I don't know if they had any breakups prior to this, but the last run they had did with Jeff, which was which I think ended in two thousand one. I just missed that. Oh, like shit. by like months, pretty much. Uh because I would go to, like, I would see Hatebreed play on, like, metal shows. That was kind of, like, my introduction to hardcore. Uh, but I had never gone to, like, a straight-up hardcore show until they played The Shelter, I think, in summer of 2001. And it was, like, it was an off day for Ozfest. I saw, I ended up seeing Hatebreed, I think, two days in a row because I saw him at The Shelter. And <laughs> the next shit. day, they played Ozfest at uh, Pine Knob. Yeah. Uh, for the record, the shelter is what, like 250, 350 max? The, I, that's what it was listed as. Let's be real. They were packing 400 people in there <laughs> sometimes. Uh, Hot as fuck. Terrible. God, God that, that show was disgusting. <laughs> it, it was the middle, I think it was like July 25th, whatever. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
and like people that don't that might go to the shelter now the shelter now has actual like climate control and stuff like that and <laughs> back then it sure as fuck did not uh but yeah that was like my first introduction because they end up even though it was an off date for Mozfest, uh e-town concrete played that show sworn enemy played that show Rock. uh holy shit i'm man. trying to remember who else played it was on that show uh i don't remember much about that show this is like my age game to me i try to retain as much as possible uh other than it just being really disgustingly hot because it was the end of July, beginning of August. Uh, but that was like my first introduction. That's when I realized that there was something different about those bands where they mm-hmm. weren't exactly a metal band. Uh, and not only that, like buying Satisfaction uh, is the Death of Desire on the CD and seeing that this label Victory Records put it out. And I, I didn't know what Victory was. I didn't know that my knowledge of like metal or labels or it was like roadrunner Road yeah. or uh, metal blade or something like that and it's like oh i've never heard of victory and back then the victory cds would come like a small little mini catalog and you would see like uh ads in there for or merch for like strife blood for blood integrity mm-hmm. and i'd never heard of these bands but then i would see hatred and hatred would be wearing shirts they'd be wearing like a bloodlet shirt or an integrity shirt or whatever i'm just like, oh i've never heard of that band before like that that's you know the guys from Slipknot don't haven't worn those, you know, they don't haven't said anything about those bands. So I had no knowledge. So I would go and I'd seek out, you know, man, I wonder what integrity sounds like. And this was back in like the Kazaa, <laughs> LimeWire, Lime uh, Napster days where I had a 56K dial up modem and oh. I, I had, I could only download one song at a time. PTSD. Yeah. So I would, I would type in the band's name. Whatever song title sounded the coolest to me, <laughs> I would download that single song to yeah. see if I wanted to fuck with the band any further than that. <laughs> and take all day to download the rest. Yeah, yeah I, I like my friends that had a lot more money than my family did were that actually had DSL were able to actually download full albums and oh, all that. Yeah. I'm just like, no, I was literally downloading like one song an hour. <laughs> uh, but I would I would do that and then because I didn't want to waste time downloading whole albums. If I liked the band enough, I'd go find the CD. And then I burned the CD onto my computer, uh, but that's how I—that was like my introduction. And it, it just that happened like either right after Cold is like ended their that run uh, in two thousand one, and uh, yeah, I want to say because I, as far as I know, I think their last show around then was like May of that year, mm. and that Hapreed show would be in July. Okay, uh, so but just missed it. Just missed it. Uh, but I would see people with Cold as Life merch at shows on and stuff like that and you'd see the like the scary ass pit bull with detroit d on the back and all that and it's just like oh this is a local band that sounds like this and that was kind of cool and uh even though i missed them you know i would i remember uh the first cole's life song i checked out was ski mask and 45 and fucking rocked my world and just it, it, it it made me upset that band this cool had been in my backyard the entire time and i didn't know it because <laughs> right. i was listening to all this bigger stupid shit at ozfest not <laughs> i wouldn't say stupid shit because it's still cool shit introductory uh, type. but it's like to me like the underground was was like slipknot you know yeah, yeah, you know that, yeah, that, that to yeah, me i thought that was like some weird really <laughs> obscure shit you know their factory yeah yeah big one and even though they're playing in front of like 2000 at least 2000 people a night or 
20,000 at Ozfest mm. or whatever it is. Uh, but that was also like my thing where it's like, all right, people at hardcore shows, Mosh Shepherd, they're punching and kicking and doing karate moves. Mm. And actually, that kind of looks cooler than people just pushing each other. Yeah. And it looks more like it has more of a style than. Than you know, just a push to or anything like that. And they're like drunk bums. Yeah, and it, it, there was definitely more of like you didn't have like all the corniness that I guess gets associated with like new metal and metal as well. It, hardcore was more real. It was guys just getting up there and wearing their street clothes and playing. Yeah, you know, no they didn't have guitar techs or you know a big crew or anything like that. It was just the band and their amps and. You know, I'd go to these smaller shows, and there'd be no barricade, and people are stage diving, and all this wild shit. So that was kind of like my introduction into getting into hardcore. Yeah, fuck, man. Well, that's a good time anyway. Shit was popping. Yeah, and and that's the thing. But it's still like when I see when I see that, it's like it makes me sad that like (laughs) just a few years if I would, it sucked. Like because growing up, I didn't have any friends that were into like hardcore punk metal or anything like that. Uh, all my friends were in the rap. Like, all my childhood friends, uh, when we got into our teens, and uh, you know, eighth grade, whatever, they all exclusively listened to the rap. I was the weird one that was, like, the alt kid <laughs> that liked all these crazy, like, you know, borderline satanic, whatever. And, you heard you grew up in the hood. Well, and that's the thing. I grew up in southwest Detroit. Yeah. Like, I, 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 didn't, I didn't grow... I, I live in the suburbs now. I live in Down River. But I, I grew up in southwest Detroit, so, you know... Obviously, a lot of my friends were more pre predispositioned to being, I guess, more urban style of music. Which Street this is the this is a, the knock on rap. I do, I do like rap to a certain extent. Yeah, just what you're exposed um, to in that area. But so. at that time, when I was twelve, thirteen, fourteen, I was like metal kid, you know, or faster punk bands, you know, and that that was kind of what it was. Which was also the cool thing about hardcore. It was kind of this melting pot where it was. A little bit metal, a little bit punk, but it's kind of its own thing, you know, and a little bit separate from those two genres at the same time. Yeah. Fuck, man. Just a second. I really got to send a text, so I got to wait a <laughs> second. I was like, fuck, this dude texted me. So, but yeah, like that show, like, The Coldest Life, Blood for Blood, All Out War, One for One, and Dogs of War, like, that's a fucking great show. That's, that's an, it, like, thinking about that show... Sounds insane, like absolutely, like insane. Let's go ahead and keep talking if you can. Either pause or not. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm. I don't know. I'm. I'm kind of sad. Like I, I missed out on the boat on a few things, but I'm also glad that I'm at the age where I got to see a lot of cool shit that I'm now realizing is cool because. Younger kids will be like, hey, did you see this band, this band? And I disregarded just like a normal thing because to me it wasn't just like, that's fucking sick that you saw <laughs> whatever in 2003. And I'm like, that's just a show. It was a $10 show. you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. Like the the uh, 10 for 10. Remember that thing that came through? That was cool. I'm, I'm bummed that they didn't do more tours. Like, I get that like, I don't think that, but, you know, band guarantees. Yeah. yeah I, with band <laughs> yeah. guarantees and everything, I don't think it was sustainable for them to probably do another one yeah, uh, especially yeah. with even the, the lineup that they did pull off i'm sure those bands oh who knows maybe those bands made money back on merch from all the, from kids saving money on tickets uh but i think it'd be cool if like bands would put another something like that together now like i don't think the bands that were 
on that lineup that were as big as that lineup had would ever do anything like that again, but maybe like more like mid-level kind of hardcore bands or something oh, yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah but now even it seems like uh, the fests are more and more popular these days. So, I mean, if like a, if there's going to be a banger of a show, it's probably going to be a fucking fest. And Yeah, I, I, I definitely see that. It's not that expensive to go to like a out-of-state show. I mean, it sucks if you're like a teenager, or but for me, I'm like, I can finally afford this shit. I'm going, yeah. you know. Well, and that thing is like, I, I can, I get to a point where I can afford it, but at the same time, it's also to the point of having more work commitments, for sure, having more home commitments and stuff. Even though I, I mean, I'm not a dad, but uh, just financial commitments, like you know, not wanting to take too much time off work, do stuff. Whereas, like when my twenties, I was just like. Fuck it, let's go. Don't give a fuck. We're yeah, I don't, uh, you know, uh, you know, when I, I, I didn't have, you know, a mortgage to pay off or uh, insurance or all, you know, you be a little bit more carefree, have a beater of a vehicle or whatever. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's a honey uh, <laughs> Get out of here. Get out of here. She's going to come bother you. But, like, I don't even know where we're going, but with shows, like, I... I took quite a few years. I wouldn't say off, but I really, really cut back and going to shows. Maybe like one, two, three a year at the most. I go see like Terror and Hatebreed and shit like that. But the past, even uh, before the pandemic, I started. I started really going to shows again in uh, like 2018. Like more than I did. Like there's like a break from like 2010 to like 2017, 2018, where I was like, just taking care of life. I already had two kids and shit. Yeah. So that's like, thing. You had you had, you had you know? more commitments that definitely were more important oh. than just. Going to see hardcore bands, you know. Yeah, and I think that you know when people do that, do have to have children, all have like that little kind of break where, like, all right, my kid's way too young for me to leave at home. I got to take a step back from doing this kind of cool, you know, cool shit. You know, maybe when my kids are older, I'll or I can afford a babysitter more often or what mm-hmm. have you. You know, then you can go. I think that's just a very common thing with. Anyone that gets older, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't know if it's just me, but there's like a weird, like stupid, like guilt I had of like, man, I'm like, fuck. Like, no, yeah. I was like, I still want to go to these shows, but even like coming back, I'm like, I, I used to come so much and support everything, but I'm sorry, I'm back. <laughs> you know. I, I feel like if anyone was to ever make someone feel guilty of that, that'd be a pretty shitty thing. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's just weird. Like in my own head, I'm like, I'm fucking, you know, diehard, a hardcore fan for life, and I was like, I couldn't. I miss a few years. Not like I missed much. You know, bands still come fucking twice yeah. a year. Whatever I missed is still happening. Yeah. And whatever I, you know, there's some bands that I'll fucking never see probably. Really? Because everyone seems to do reunions, you well, know, five to ten years after they break up. So Yeah. Yeah. The only thing, it was, uh, it was like Cold as Live. Or sorry. Uh, well, them too, obviously. But uh, I'm going to say Blood for Blood. I've never seen them. Well, the, the, well, shit! I bear. I only got to see them there one time. Their last Detroit show was almost twenty years ago. It'll be twenty years ago, I think, this October. Uh, where was it at? Uh, they played upstairs at St. Andrews. I wish it was would have been downstairs, but it was still cold. They played with Most Precious Blood and Terror. That might have been one of the first times Terror played Detroit. I know Terror played Yipsy a little bit before that. I think they played Mugs and uh, Ypsilanti. Then, a little bit before that. Uh, now, was there a barricade then, or no? Yeah, it, it was weird. There was a barricade put up at the show, but security wasn't monitoring it. They were letting people go in behind the barricade oh, okay. and going up to the stage. Uh, it was one of the cool things. I, I, I don't understand why they didn't just tear the fu- take the fucking thing down. Because <laughs> so that used to be back in the day when St. Andrews, before you know they got 
they're already kind of corporate because Live Nation did already own them at the time, but they didn't monitor things as much as like the, the barricade and stuff. Like they would let if a band requested the barric they wanted the barricade down, they would honor it. Now yeah. you have insurance and liability and all that stuff for now the barricade is just permanently up. Like we don't you'll need this nonsense. like uh there's another show the following year, June of like two thousand three, uh terror Stretch Armstrong between the bear really mixed bill. Uh I think it was Stretch Armstrong Terror between the Barry to me and Out to Win Mushmouth uh Holy shit. played upstairs and it had a pretty good crowd and there no barricade. Oh. Uh, the bands requested it off, and people doing stage dives, people doing speaker dives at St. Andrews. That show I've was seen that nuts. Day, but not that show. Uh, yeah. The Four Terror um, was Unearth, uh, Black Dahlia Murder, uh, Terror, and that uh, show, Remembering Never. That show was the same year a few months later. That Uh-oh. was, that, was okay. that fall. I think that was fall of 03. The Stretch Armstrong show was, I think, sub- or June of 03. I want to say that... Uh, yeah, I think it was October for sure. The... I remember being in the fall that, mm-hmm. that that show, which was fine because they took down the barricade. But the first couple of kids that actually stage show got kicked out, and then there was a Spider Man too that was at that show. Somebody dressed like fucking Spider Man, <laughs> <laughs> climb up on the speaker there, dude. That yeah, shit, that shit's wild. Yeah, to think of like people like doing stage dives at St Andrews or speaker dives and all that shit, uh. like. And it's that shit like you'll never see again with all Fuck no. the insurance and everything and all the, how touchy they are with like liability and everything there. That'll, that'll never happen again. Yeah, especially because you have to pay extra now to go up in the balcony. You know that? It's not even like free. You can't just go stand yeah, up there. Yeah, no, you have to pay. They they caught on to like people getting older and like because I, I was doing it for a while too. Where every show, if the balcony was open in St. Andrews and the balcony was open, I'd make a beeline up to there because the sight lines are actually better like you don't have to be all crammed in down the main floor and everything but you go upstairs and you can look at a band straight down at a pretty cool cool angle and they caught on to it so now they charge double the price whatever the general (laughs) admission ticket is (laughs) for vip yeah it's just like fuck you guys free no no yeah it was nice especially if you got hot it was five six bands there like it's it's so miserable in there sometimes like dude yeah. Another time, uh, Hatebreed played uh, at St. Andrews. Um, I think what it is Hate Inc. and uh, Pitbull. The, the Satisfaction full full y- yeah, album set. Yeah. That was yeah. When I did that's that. one of my favorite. I mean, obviously they played the, they played Satisfaction front to back, but that whole show and all together the front to back lineup was incredible. Yeah. Like a two day notice too, though. Like yeah, they had a yeah. show that wasn't supposed to happen. Probably an off day. On they a... they were on a bigger package tour. Uh, I don't know with who, but they had an off day. Ramona put it together. I'm pretty sure Ramona did like super super quick, like on like a, a day or two notice. Yeah. Uh but yeah, it was just Hatebreed and all locals. But it was like that had only been like the second show Pitbull had played in like ten years or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Because I never seen them. That was the only time I've seen them. And I really liked them. Fuck! I always have like Pitbull. Yeah, that that show was a lot of fun. Uh, I don't think Pitbull played a show since then. I know they played either a year or two before that. They played a show at Alvin's when they uh, they did a record release show for their discography. Ah. Uh, and then I think they played that Hippery show. And I don't think they ever they did a show 
since then. If they did, then I, I might be mistaken. But as far as I know, that was the last show Pitbull had played up to this point as yeah, well. Yeah, well, because well, I, I did have a setup. I was, I was the singer. Was, was name Mike? Mike Starr? Is that the singer? I don't remember his last name. Mike was his first name. Yeah, singer. yeah, because he was supposed to come over here like back in like May, and uh, I don't know something. I don't know what happened. Either he canceled or I had to push it back. It just never happened. But I was like, fuck. You know, there's so many people. There's so much history you know, like in like Detroit hardcore. I don't even know when they started. Probably late 80s, early Pitbull, 90s. I want to say yeah. late 80s. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like for those dudes, even like uh, Almighty Lumberjacks of Death, I talked to Jimmy Doom. I had to call his life. Uh, you know, uh, Earth Mover, you know, uh, late 90s. I don't know. It's Tyrant, like early 2000s. Like, and then we'll, when retribution start, Kenny? Uh, 20, 2010. It was that late? 2010. Okay, because I yeah. think I only seen you guys maybe a couple times. Yeah, we well, I mean, we we played a bunch of shows in a pretty short amount of time, and then we just kind of stopped. Uh, and we, ne- we never ventured much outside of, like, Detroit. Uh, I think we actually, the only two shows that we consider, like, us going out of town, we played Toledo a couple times and Saginaw a couple times, and that was it. Like, that was the extent <laughs> of us playing out of town. Uh, uh, I wish we, that band, I wish we could have did a little bit more with it, but half the band had interests in other things. They were either involved with other bands or had other stuff going on. And, you know, it, uh, it definitely wasn't, I guess, outside of myself, maybe a main focus for anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I enjoyed what we did with it. I, w- I really wish we would have done an LP, but we, we did a seven inch, uh, two demos, comp track uh people at least locally received them pretty well like i don't think we ever had like locally we ever had a bad show uh even when we played like absolute dog shit <laughs> i don't think we ever had like necessarily a bad reaction for the most part so what was your first show i know it was a crazy show what was your guys first oh my show? god this, this is this is it? another <laughs> testament to ramona being yeah. an absolute sweetheart and one of the best people uh, she she doesn't get enough credit for what she's done for all lo- behind for the local. scenes. But she yeah. built the shit. She does, and, and that's the thing. A lot of people, because a lot of people don't might not know who she is because she doesn't. She's not maybe a, a big public face. She doesn't do. She, she's not like a press person or anything like that. Right? You know? The show she booked. Yeah. Uh, she she booked us with terror. Uh, yeah. Sure. Uh, it was. This is insane. Like. Uh. We didn't deserve this this show, but Ramona, you know, put us on it. It was uh, Terror, Gravemaker, Foundation, and Naysayer, which is a at twenty in twenty ten is a humongous package tour. <laughs> uh any other local band would have killed to have that spot, and she gave it to us for our first show. Jesus uh, Christ! She was working my 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 best friend Chris Spear was working for her at the time. Uh, just kind of as his, his assistant. And through her, he had gotten a hold of me. He'd be like, hey, are you guys... Because we had been we had just recorded our demo uh, not too long before that. And he's going to be like, hey, I know you guys are want to play a show soon. Do you guys think you'll be ready by June, whatever the date was? And I'm like, well, we might be. Well, like, I would like to have like a, a few more songs written. And he's just like, well, Ramona wants to put you on with the terror tour with with grave maker and foundation i was just like oh we're playing it absolutely <laughs> we'll figure it out yeah no we'll we'll, we'll, be, we'll be ready uh and yeah we had an awesome reaction we put the demo out a couple 
a few weeks before then, so people, you know, learned the words, and we had people, a few of our friends sing along, and people that had learned the words from, you know, were moshing, and it, it was definitely one of the coolest, like, first shows I think a band has had, just to have, like, that type of reaction, and, you know, literally, the song's only been out for a couple weeks, and, you know, I mean, I think it definitely helped with everyone that I was in that band with was full firmly entrenched within the scene as far as like being in other bands like a few of our dudes were in face reality a few of our dudes were in like death skin razors afterwards they were in freedom uh so you had a bunch of other different friend groups all kinds of support this one band so that's how right it definitely yeah, led to yeah. us being a, a, as good as reactions we got well, say like a local super group and just say that <laughs> See, I don't like I don't, I don't like putting myself in that respect because everybody knows you though. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but, but the thing always... is, I haven't done anything. I haven't done anything before then or well, since you then. Be band, in band everybody loves you, dude. That was crazy. It was like, like Kenny's a fucking. See, now you got me blushing over here, man. The front man of this band, a good band at that. I never would have thought. I was like, Kenny's in a fucking band. I was like, he's singing for a band. Uh, it shocked me. I mean, you're always up front and shit, so it's not yeah. crazy to see you well, and that's jumping the thing. on stage I've, or whatever. I'd always wanted to be in a band, but I'm musically inept where like i i can't play guitar like for some reason these don't like to coordinate well as far as like playing a string instrument like i've i've given it a go here and there and i just can't like i can't learn chords for a reason and drumming drumming doesn't get as much respect as it does because you're using all four of your limbs and that even feels more intense to me <laughs> uh especially trying to do it fast and on time and all that stuff. So the only thing I could do was front a band, and somehow I was able to convince four other individuals to to write a band with me and start a band with me Crazy. and let me front it. And they were down, and you know it was what it was. And you know we had a good time doing it. I had a great time doing it. Uh, we played some awesome shows that we probably didn't deserve to be on, but just because everyone liked us, we got thrown on them. That's so cool. Who was all in that band? We have few. We we have few different lineups. Yeah. Uh, the main, the core members would have been myself, Nick Cutchway, and Derek Daniel. Uh, okay. That we were the three that kind of like wrote the pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we Brad Walker was in it near the end. Uh, he played bass. Uh, before that was Kyle Grissom, uh, West Michigan kid uh, from Muskegon. Uh, he he played with us. Uh, for a couple years, uh, a lot of our out of state stuff, I think, was actually with Kyle, or not out of state stuff, but I guess out of town, like us playing Saginaw and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Uh, most of the time, we were just a four piece. We had a slew of bass players. Lee Dolan was Lee. actually in the band. Our first show, Lee, I love our Lee. first, we weren't a straight edge oh band. God, Here, here's the, the kind it. of fucked up thing was Retribution was originally not a straight edge band. We became a straight edge band <laughs> after <laughs> after. Uh, Lee was out of the band. Uh, but yeah, when we started, four out of the five of us were straight edge. Lee was not. Uh, he might have been a little bit too inebriated at a couple of the shows. Uh, oh, to the okay. point, I think there's, I, I hope he doesn't think I'm seeking towards him derogatory. I hopefully he enjoys the story. Uh, but there was one show in particular we played. We actually played, do you remember when Mo used to have the Black Christmas shows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We played the very first one. Okay. Uh, which, it wasn't in the theater. It wasn't like hollow. It's the entire complex. It's upstairs and downstairs. It was, it was just the stick. Oh, okay. Uh, it was us, Loud and Bombs, uh, Nightbringer, which is Lenny's other band, mm -hmm. uh, 
living like ghosts. I can't remember who else. Uh, but Lee, I think, was pretty hammered to the point where he was having trouble tuning his bass. <laughs> uh, oh my! God. He was definitely having problems. And I think to the point where, like, I didn't. It didn't bother me. I just I just wanted to play the, the set. But I'm pretty sure Nick and Derek were a little annoyed. Yeah. I uh, love you, Lee. Everybody loves well, you. Well, I, I think Lee didn't even have a tuner on him. I think he had the board, bottle, uh, bottle, borrow one from Living Like Ghosts. I think uh, Corey Bolin from Living Like Ghosts, their guitar player, uh, he was the only one from that band who hadn't packed his gear away. Just so Lee could use his tu- tuner, brought out his entire pedal board. Oh and, shit! And gave and put you know gave it to Lee just to use the tuner. That's all Lee needed to because Lee didn't have his his own for a reason. Oh. Uh but still Lee was having some issues. That was probably the roughest set we ever played. Like we had a few others that were pretty rough as well, where <laughs> things just weren't clicking. But that one, that's probably the roughest one we've had for sure. Thanks, Lee. Yeah. Uh it didn't help that like. Nightbringer earlier that night like kicked our asses like they I think they were the best band that night them and Loud and Bombs uh and uh, Nightbringer I think went very underappreciated uh especially for it being a Lenny band I think maybe yeah. because like people are so used to like either Poison Tongues or Earthmover Lenny mm-hmm. that they wanted something like that and this was more of like more in a punk kind of style uh yeah, I barely remember that band that must have been like when I was sort of like it's like veering off. Uh, this was like, they were uh, around. I know the name. Like 2008, 2007, 2008 to like maybe 11, 12, somewhere in there. I was still going to shows uh, and I don't know. Because Lenny wasn't bands. the original front man for it. It was Andy Demps, who was also an earth mover, played oh, guitar. No I shit. think when, when Nightbringer first started, uh, I think Andy was playing guitar and singing. And then Lenny joined them and started fronting mm-hmm. them instead. But definitely. Definitely very underappreciated. Uh, I just don't think, like, maybe a lot of younger kids were into a band like that. Especially if you say members of Earthmover, and then they see a band that's, like, more straight-up punk. Oh, that yeah. That Nightbringer yeah. kind of was. Yeah, didn't uh, say four fans of. Yeah, no, it, members it, it, of. that's the thing. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but they, they they also, I don't think, ever went out of their way to advertise, like, the whole Earthmover thing either. Uh, I don't know if that maybe Dems want to, I wouldn't say distance himself, maybe, because it was very different. Uh, it's not an associated act. Yeah, exactly. It's different uh, music. But I still think they d- deserve a ton of recognition. Hopefully, you know, I don't know that it'd be cool if that stuff ever made it onto the internet or anything like that. Uh, I know they put out a few seven inches, I think a couple splits. Uh, but definitely underappreciated. They, they kicked our asses that night. 100% sure. And that's actually the night that uh, I actually met Lenny and became friends with Lenny. Oh, no was shit. At that show. Uh, and it was it was weird because it's kind of like an idol worship thing because like even though I to that point I had never seen Earthmover before I listened to Earthmover pretty religiously yeah uh, and I thought it was cool that like all right I'm, even though I'm not playing a show with Earthmover I'm beginning to play with I'm at least playing a show with those guys but before like the show I would never I was kind of scared of Lenny in a way I don't know what it was where I just I didn't want to come off like some young idiot and yeah i wasn't even that young at this point i was 26 uh but i didn't want to like come off as some like stupid fanboy or something like that yeah, like, hey, but man. then lenny like congratulated us on our sets told us that you know he loved us and immediately him and i clicked and uh 
uh, he started. He actually started booking us on shows like the following summer and stuff in the shelter. Uh, mm-hmm. He did that that fight like hell series of shows, yeah, and everything like that. And he, uh, I can't remember. I think he booked us. We played one of the alliances record release show when they did that hit him up record. Uh, that was a the, was that the modern or the was shelter that the shelter. Okay. Was the him up record? Maybe it wasn't the him up record. So maybe just for a reunion, hit him up. Maybe the him up record was that was at the modern. Now I'm getting my shows confused because I know we played with them at the show. Well, Earth Mover did a reunion there too, right? That was at the end of 2010. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah. And was it Tyrant and Earth Mover or something like that? Ty- Tyrant Earth Mover and I'm trying to remember the bands that were in the middle of that lineup. I don't remember. I don't even think I went because I've never seen Earth Mover. And they, and they had two reunions, and I've missed both of them. The other one was uh, they played more City Fest yeah. the one year. Uh, that though the first show I think was better. I went to both uh, just because they played the longer set. The I think the the more City Fest show was a lot shorter. Like they because they weren't headlining or whatever. Yeah, Cold as Life headlined. Uh, so it felt it felt like a, a bit of a tease. Like it just they went. And maybe they just kind of ran through the set so quick that, like, I felt like, personally, I didn't have a time to, like, really enjoy it the way I did when they played the show in 2010. Uh, w, I think I, I would love to see that kind of reunion again. That would be, you know, if it ever the stars align. Yeah. You know? Uh, there's only one factor to stop that from happening. I tried. So there's only one. And Mike Hasty had that, to say that, yes. Yeah. It's like, yep. get him to say yeah and we'll do it. And... He said, "Not a chance." I figured that, that <laughs> he's probably the lone holdout. <laughs> Not a chance. I was like, "Well, I tried." Yeah, yeah. Because I asked him because I I did that fucking Shattered Realm show, and I was like, I was like, I was like, I want a fucking banger of a show. I was like, I was like Joe Hardcore said he'd fucking come here. I was like, what other banger bands can I get? And then it just turned into bands from all over the place. Ended up playing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of bummed I missed that show. Like now, I'm trying to remember why I missed that show. It was on a Sunday. Oh, that's probably what it was. Yeah. No, I probably had other commitments, and I had to go to bed way too early. Yeah, yeah, dude. I I took out uh, the next day off because I can, I go to bed at nine o'clock. You know, <laughs> eight thirty, nine o'clock. I was like, it's on a Sunday. I got to take that fucking Monday. Who else played that show? MHK. MHK asked played that show. Uh, no, the guitarist. Um, his other band, uh, Sector from Chicago. Okay. They played uh, Raw Life from New Jersey. Okay. Um, well, Raw Life was kind of like on the little package that yeah. Shattered Realm took out with them. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was uh, Raw Life, Shattered Realm. But there's like eight fucking, like way too many <laughs> bands played that show. That was my first time I ever booked the show. So this would be cool. This is a nightmare. <laughs> Trying to put that, uh, whatever, Shattered Realm, MHK. No, fuck. I don't even remember, dude. I don't yeah, have the, the flyer. <laughs> no, it's over here. Shattered Realm, Sector, Raw Life, Enemy of God, uh, Missing Link from Long Island. They're heavy okay. as fuck. Uh, D-Block and uh, the Street Struck. They came with uh, Raw Life because they're from okay. uh, Altoona, uh, Pennsylvania. And uh, and it's Raw Life and Sector from Chicago had put out a split like a few months before. So they went to Chicago the night before. And then they uh, came to uh, Detroit. You know, okay. Like backtracked to Detroit because they it was like a split uh, release, you know, like okay. a yeah. weekend. And it was fucking fun, but I was kind of sad because it was on a Sunday. But I still thought for some reason, I was like, there'd be a lot of people here for sure. And it wasn't. I think a lot of people are kind of. It's the old, old folks. Are like, well, no, nah. it's like anyone that would be 
I don't think a lot of younger kids are into like shared rum. I think that's where so anyone that could stay out late. Yeah, like I just assumed that. Everybody yeah, loved them still like I did. Well, no, <laughs> and that, that's one of those things. And like any, a lot of anyone that would normally might have come out, been like, well, there's eight bands on. There's was it seven bands or whatever. Yes, yeah, seven uh, bands. This is gonna go past midnight, you know, yeah. or whatever. And I'm gonna Dude, stay I tried home. having like a matinee, like a two p.m. show, like. I pushed for it, but uh, Maxwell's like, it's like, nah, people probably won't uh, receive that well. I was like, I thought it'd be a no. Great I think people would be. I think it'd be great. Like, you see, a Sunday afternoon would be awesome. No, I think it, I. I would love if personally, I would love it if people did more of those. Ramona did a couple of those, like around like two, 2011. She had a few of them at. Uh, remember when the magic? I don't know if you remember when the before they renovated the magic stick, they had the lounge area. Yeah. Like a smaller stage. Yep. yep, yep. Uh, she did a harm's way show there. Oh, it was shit. 3 PM on a Saturday and it was awesome. Yeah, how fun would that be, It was dude? fantastic. Like yeah. the show was done by like seven, eight o'clock. And then like, we still stayed at the stick. Like we went down as soon as the show was over and we bowled for a little bit. And then Pizza, I still had bowl. the whole, the whole rest of the night, you know, uh, I really wish like, you know, it doesn't have to be like a 2 PM start. That might be a little bit early, but three or four o'clock. Yeah. On uh, Sunday, especially when it's that many bands, it's like, sure, why not, you know? Yeah, because everybody can be out by 8, 9. Yeah. <laughs> the no, latest. That's the thing. Like, I would bet that for sure if that was the case. If it was a matinee show, then I would. I pushed for it, but maybe it could have been. Maybe more people drink at night might have been a better idea to have a bar. But it's like there's still 70 people there, which I don't consider a lot. In the sanctuary, that's. No, it's a 300 uh, cap venue. Yeah, so. he has like a. Th- third of fucking capacity and i was like this sucks and all these bands are from out of town and i gotta make sure they can get home you know that's <laughs> but, a bummer yeah yeah it was a bad experience but i learned and well th- and that's the thing is like i feel like anyone that puts on i think people that book shows uh kind of like to do the lord's work because there's i've known so many people that have book shows i've never done it myself yeah. uh but it it sounds like one of those things where it's like High risk, low reward. Like, yeah, you get to, you're involved with like, you know, the business or something, like that, and you're responsible for other people having a good time. But you might not have a good time yeah, yourself. Yeah, there's no pat on the back for of it. Of like yeah. how stressed you are, and even the monetary gain most of the time is very little. Uh, it takes a lot to even break even. Usually, everything is at a loss. Yeah, uh, say, you got to go to the ATM. <laughs> to say that you have to you have to go bands have guarantees <laughs> especially you know touring bands that are on packages uh some of them have riders uh i i totally get why why any promoter is completely stressed out and you know it's it's definitely something that is taken for granted i think by like people that a lot of people that go to shows that i don't think people realize how much actually goes into it. it's not just like calling up this band or the band emailing you no. and just being like, hey, can you do this? And everything's flowers. It's the daily correspondence. Yeah, you know? loading times, <laughs> yeah. directions. Uh, you know, is the venue going to take a percentage of the merch? Any, you know, mm-hmm. there's, you know, all, all sorts of things that have to be ironed out. And, you know, and that's why, like, going back to someone like Ramona, you know, she she did so much for, you know, for such a long time. Uh, that I don't think it people really think about, like, or give credit to how much uh, work she's done, and not just her, but anybody else that local that has promoted shows for years. Chris and years. Spear, your buddy, Chris yeah. Spear did it for years. Creep and show years. booking, I remember that shit. Uh, 
uh, even after he, he started running stuff and was Ramon's assistant, you know, he took on a lot of the load himself. Uh, Chris Zommerfeld, who used to run Static Age, mm-hmm. he did a lot. Did Maxwell he, now. Did he owned that place? Yeah, Chris oh, owned okay, it. Okay, that's what yep. I thought. Yeah, that place is cool. You know, yeah, Maxwell with uh, both sanctuaries. Was there anything before that? Or was His it- house. He had two houses. He had, oh, no uh, shit. He shows that. He had the halfway. Uh, he had the halfway house first, which was the first like punk house they had. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Uh, I heard of that place, but I didn't know that was his. Uh, there wasn't a ton of big shows as mo. I think mostly local stuff. I know weekend nachos might play there a few times. Uh, he had bigger stuff at the house he moved to after that. He had what was called Yonka House because it was on Yonka Street. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it was over by like the Michigan State Fairgrounds, like a little bit off of Eight Mile. Uh, Retribution played there a couple times. Uh, Weekend Nachos played there. The Banner Mongoloids played there. Uh, that show was fun. It was, it was, it had, the staircase was fucking terrifying and sucked to take gear down. Oh, yeah. Uh, but other than that, like, the area he had carved out in the basement was, like, a perfect rectangle. Oh, shit. Uh, so it had just enough, like, room where stuff would feel comfortable. And then it had, like, a little side area where, like, was, like, the laundry area, but people would, like, sit in that area or and sometimes even bands would like use that area to put their merch in as well uh if not a lot of times merch would either be in the kitchen or if shows were in the summer people would have their merch stands right outside maxwell's garage instead oh my God. uh i remember when the banner played there the mongoloids had big giant tables right outside maxwell's garage because it was like the middle of summer or whatever uh and then i think he he wanted to expand so he was just like all right i'm gonna get my own spot so then we had the first sanctuary, and then there was a second sanctuary. There's actually been three. There was a second one that didn't last long because there's some zoning issue or something. Mm. So he ended up going back to the first location, Jesus ran Christ. that for however long, and then moved to what used to be Paychecks, which is now the current sanctuary. He's a saint, huh? Oh, yeah. And, and not that, like here, Maxwell should be commended as well. Talking about more promoters, Maxwell isn't even a. A Detroit native. Maxwell's from uh, from Iowa. Uh, Is that where he's from? I knew yeah. he wasn't from here, but I didn't know. But from the moment he's set foot in our area, he's been Detroit 100%. Even though he wasn't from here, he's he's definitely taken the reins as far as like booking bands, recording with bands, being in bands, uh, the whole nine. Like it's been nonstop. Like to the point where like you know he he had a different job. He was trying to promote like. Promote shows while still having like a, a nine to five job and everything. Fuck. But you know, quit that to once he purchased you know paychecks and now it's what it is and he's been able to bring bigger and bigger stuff here and the the bar seems like it's doing good even after you know all the shit all the money lost out because of the pandemic and everything like that you know it's you know it's good to see that that place is thriving and it, it if. That's the first place that has felt like home as far as like a hardcore venue in quite a while. I agree, man. That place, like, and it's cool because, see, uh, like, so the door people and security and the people who work behind their bar, they're all into the scene. So it's not like a corporate fucking place. You know, everybody high five the fucking It's it's all like punk and metal and hardcore kids, you know. Good times, man. Like, I don't think there's a better venue. The way it's like set up and shit with the stage and the bar area, it all. Have you been there when they don't use the big stage? Like, 
No, I, I, and there's, I know he, he was having like, uh, there's a couple times where he's had that, um, little like, put together like little small stage that he's done in the bar area a yeah. couple times. I haven't been to one of those shows, but it looks cool. It's fun, like, man. Well, especially if you know a band's not gonna draw like super well, if you know a band's not gonna do more than like a hundred people, yeah. make it more intimate. Why not? Why you pack it no, in? No reason to have like a big 300 cap space if you know like it's a relatively smaller band and they aren't, they're only gonna play in front of like a hundred, 150 people anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. I seen uh, who the fuck was it? it was Enemy of God uh, in Cold Blood and like Annie Up and shit. They all oh, that was on the small stage. Yeah, uh, man, it was fucking wild. See, one of those shows yeah, that I really like nobody's wanted... safe. You're like fucked. I like, can't go anywhere. One of the one of those shows that I really was bummed that I missed, and uh, but I had to because of like just work life, and I, I get up at four o'clock in the morning. So uh. like going to shows during the week or even on some weekends, depending on how my schedule is, it just not feasible. I I do if a band I really 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 love is in town, then yeah, I might sacrifice the sleep, but it it gets harder and harder. You know, as time goes on to do that stuff like it's getting harder and harder to wake up. You know, I I remember being it's in It's not worth it. I've seen them two times. Well, no, now that it's just like, all right, I've seen this band a million times, but it's also like knowing if a band is playing a certain venue. Oh. And it, it, you know the show's gonna go to midnight, and I gotta be at work at four. That's like a no no go for me. Yeah, yeah. You know what sucks is fucking. Uh, you got me thinking of upcoming shows. Scarhead fucking playing in Toledo on like a Thursday in uh, I think March, in April or March. I'm like motherfucker with uh, D Block, and uh, Scarhead's coming out with some band. I don't even know. I think are they coming up with like a rapper or something yeah, like that? I think he's like a rap, like yeah. Okay, Fuck. which is part. Of, I mean, it's Scarhead. Like that's a pretty common thing. With, yeah. Like so, considering like you know Dan or uh, uh, Isaac Dan Diablo, he obviously raps. Ugh, terrible rap. <laughs> uh, I love Scarhead. I'm right. not gonna pass judgment. I've only listened to like I think one song. I don't remember what it sounded like. Uh, I mean, to me, yeah, I mean. Look. People love it, but me, I'm like, oh, I'd rather just listen to Scarhead than, you know, old Scar, the Kings at Crime Scarhead. Oh, that record's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm a little bit more of a Crown of Thorns fan, personally, okay. but I, like, both those bands are amazing. Uh, he's truly an artist, though. He's not. Oh, well, yeah, the, the, to have his hands in so many different, like, facets of music, like, you know, he's not just a hardcore guy or a hip-hop guy or whatever, you know. He, 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 he He's very evenly spread out in all those worlds, which is pretty awesome. He's the crazy person. I, know. I follow him on Instagram. <laughs> he's always like Ali walking his dog, and like like four a.m. He's like crazy people. He's like, yeah, I'm in the park. I'm like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, are you in the park? He's like, oh, this is your hometown. That's what you do. You're just in fuck Queen, like running Queens at yeah. three four a.m. Like you're so scary, Danny. And, and and probably a neighborhood that would scare like any one of us or something oh, like yeah. that if we were doing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you? Actually, weren't there? There's maybe what, thirty people where there was a uh, December of uh, 2019. Scar had played at the Sanctuary. No, I with, don't. Uh, I, I missed that. Uh, yeah, with uh, a fucking thrash band. I forgot who it was. Is uh, not the same singer. Wasn't fucking DRI for sure. It wasn't. But there's a there's a New Jersey. They do that song, uh, Captain Crunch. Uh, a bunch of bunch of Captain Crunch. It's it's it, it's a weird fucking thrash band. Uh, well, this is that the Outer Drive Sanctuary? 
No, no, no. Uh, the one, the one in the the one Hamtramck. Hamtramck. I gotta find the name of this band right I'm now. I'm trying to remember the show because the, I, the last time I remember Scarhead even playing close here, they played the Token Lounge, uh, in like two, oh. 2012. We yeah. played Retribution played that show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, MOD. Uh, what the fuck? Does oh, that mean? okay. I remember that show now. I forgot what that means. Uh, MOD is something of. Milano Destruction, Billy Milano, the singer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He wasn't the singer of the band. It's some a lot of people were mad. Oh, it was a it was a fill in. They didn't have it with Billy. No, yeah, no. It was a dude from Milwaukee. Uh, he runs a whatever record label. Um, Danny Diablo's on now. No and, shit. It's not even a fill in. Like people were like talking shit. Like, I'm not going to see that. It's not fucking uh, MOD. It's a uh, because like it's all the other band except the singer. But I guess like. No, the band is. Yeah, the band is Billy Milano. Yeah, that's how I've exactly. always understood it. Yeah, yeah. So, well, that's weird. So, so a lot of people were mad. Like, well, like, people talking shit online, you know, whatever. Yeah. But uh, I was like, I just want to see Scarred because I've uh, all the I've never seen them before. And there's like, there were like like twenty people there, and like Bird from like C two I C. Like okay. he was like the only like I was like, I was like, no hardcore people here. I was like, this is fucking strange. It was Ralph and Bird and like me and my brother in law. So okay, all the people that you would probably. Expect to be at the yeah, show. Yeah, they were, dude. It was only a part. Friday oh, okay. or Saturday. It was a good night. I was like, why the fuck? I, I think Scarhead's one of those bands that, like, they're very outside of New York. They're kind of like a niche thing where, yeah. like, you might have select groups of people on it, but I don't think you've ever been, like, maybe back in the day they might have been, but I think now you don't have a mass amount of people be, like, all for Scarhead. I think a lot more people are more so in the Crown of Thorns, especially with how sure. you're starting to see a lot more bands kind of have Crown of Thorns influence. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah, I think that's sure. a little bit more direct. Yeah. Uh, but and, and maybe you know, Scarhead like, sort of like ran its course. Maybe. Way, like, I don't think so, because I'm excited when they come back. You know, yeah. I, 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 I think, try to go see them. And that's one of those things is, like, I, I've seen them a bunch of times, and I understand why I would be excited for them, but... At the same time, I can get why someone who is so ignorant, <laughs> well, not not ignorant, but well, someone who might be ten years younger than me, why that band wouldn't appeal to them. Like I completely understand that. Like there's people, people like that are my age or older than me that Scarhead has never appealed to. So and they're very much like, you know, kind of like a neat, like they're 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 one of those things where, even though I might like them, I totally get why the masses don't. Uh, sure. It's, it's just weird because, you know, cause I've been waiting all these years still. Like, I only seen them in, like, 2019. I was like, they fucking never come. It's like, Death Threat has never been here since me one time to play at Static Age, as far as I know, in the past for 20 years. Uh, The last time they played before Detroit before then was maybe 03 at the Shelter or Madball. I can't think of a show that happened in between those two shows. Yeah, and that was before my time. Like, yeah. you know, like... So yeah, because every other I've seen, I've probably seen Death Threat ten times, Dude, but at least man. six or seven of those times were out of state. Yeah, I seen one time, and that was that was past uh, December in uh, that uh, Keystone Holiday Jam. Oh, okay, they played yeah, it this year. Yeah, yeah, cool. I went, and that was those, a, the last few lines for that festival have looked awesome. And I hate that, like, because it's because it's always around Christmas that mm-hmm. like I can never. There's like family stuff and holiday stuff that I can never. Yeah, like, I just can't really afford it at that time. Yeah, schedule the time to like go to that. I would love to go to that fest one of these years. Yeah, even like FYA is kind of fucked up time. It's literally like a it's week New after Year's. Christmas. It's, yeah, yeah, it's New Year's. <laughs> it's like fuck, dude. Like everyone's still on break. No, or or like just go going back or like the weekend before yeah. everybody goes back to work and shit. I'm like motherfucker. Well, that's the thing because like my my 
where I work at has a two week shutdown mm-hmm. for New Year's and Christmas. So when FYA ends, we just went back. I can't afford <laughs> exactly. to take another it's weekend off. To, yeah, I can't <laughs> afford to take another weekend off work to go be an idiot to a bunch of hardcore bands. <laughs> Worth it. I'm going next year. I don't give a fuck. Make it happen because of the shit. No, this no, watch the lineup be like absolute gar. It won't be, but just to fuck over Rob Parker. Exactly. The lineup's gonna be absolute garbage. It's my life story. I'm going to LDB. I'm excited in Kentucky. Are you? I'm. Yeah. I'm. I. I slept on it. I. I still haven't been to that fest either. Uh I kind of wanted to, and then I just kind of forgot about tickets going on sale. And gone and they were gone. Like what? Hour. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucked up. And then they did like a second. Like they did like a second. Said tier, I guess. I don't know how many more tickets they uh, they released, but I was on like a waiting list. Oh no shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was able to get a couple weekend passes, and that's it. crazy how big that fest has gotten. It's enormous. You hate five six is coming out to film it. If okay. Shout out to Sunny, fuck yeah. Which that's cool that Sunny is like instead of it just obviously like hate five six was mainly like a Philly thing, mm-hmm. but now it's gotten to the point where he's going out and just documenting every yeah. big show across the country it's fucking nuts that like <laughs> that the the channel has gotten so big that that dude it's it popping up everywhere yeah and it's all it's all paid for by the users too you know so, so that's cool i'm glad he's able to do it because there's really nothing of the sort it's popping up here and there and it's like regional areas but he went to australia with knocked loose you know yeah. like in the uh, Japan, I think he's he did Japan. He did, yeah. he did the Jesus, Jesus piece. Uh, played some fest in Japan. And he filmed that set. Crazy, too, yeah. crazy. And without him, who knows? You know, it could be on someone's cell phone. I but. I'm sad that there was we didn't have a Sunny in Detroit in the early mid 2000s. Oh yeah. I'm really bummed because it's like how much cool shit did you and I get to see mm-hmm. that wasn't properly documented? Like not even like photographers like. Definitely yeah. no one shooting with a video camera because we were all too busy moshing. Yeah. That no one thought to, like, document, you know, these moments in time and everything. And that's why, like, I get stoked when I see, like, some, even though I wasn't, it was before, might have been before my time, I get to see some grainy 20-year-old v- VHS footage of, like, Coldest Life at St. Andrews or at the <laughs> Stick, uh, Earth Mover at the Stick, anything like that. I think that's cool. Uh I wish I would have had some foresight to think, like, maybe I should go get a video camera, buy a video camera, mm-hmm. and start filming some of the stuff. Uh, just so there would have been, like, some kind of proper documentation. Especially with, like, I don't think anyone had any idea how prevalent something like YouTube was going to be. Oh, and yeah. how easy it is to document stuff like that. It just wasn't in the sights of anybody. Yep. Like, it's like, fucking, like, the camcorders are 500 bucks. Hey, you know, you gotta... Whatever, someone's got to carry around a fucking thing like back in the day. But at the same time, now it seems like it would have been worth the investment. Hell yeah. You know, because think about like all the cool shit that like we could have gone back and watched. And like, yeah, you you might see like random like single clips here and there, but you don't see like fully laid out like full sets the way that Sunny. Multicam. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. But fucking. Props to him. He came to Detroit, did that Never Ending Game and Ended Show and shit like that. Yeah, he was here for he was here for he did uh, a little run out here because he did uh, a couple shows in Detroit and I think a couple shows in Toledo. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was here like three or four days, something like that. Yeah, uh, Kublai Khan. Yeah, that's the, the sanctuary. Yeah. Uh, that, that that's pretty cool, and it's like it's cool that like he's gotten to the point where his his shit is so big that he can just kind of go wherever and like mm-hmm. everything is getting documented yeah, now. everybody loves it whoever supports him whatever on his patreon or whatever that's 
Which I, full disclosure, I feel like a piece of shit because I haven't subscribed to it. And mm. I think if next time, next time Sunny comes to film a show in Detroit, I'm just going to hand him 50 bucks. <laughs> I'm like, this is the money I, don't, I owe you because I haven't subscribed yet. I have. He's, uh, it'll be such a weird encounter because I'm not going to introduce myself. I'm just going to straight up slip a 50 to him and be like, hey, this is all for all the hours that I've Some watched footage, all your footage on YouTube. Oh my god, his arms up in the Ooh. air for fucking ten hours at fast. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. I'm surprised that shit hasn't broken off yet. Like the dude just stands like this <laughs> for hours on end. Yeah, man, I'm surprised. Like a lot of people have like a stick with like the camera on yeah. and shit, but he's a fucking soldier. Well no that the fact that he probably does it through a fair amount of bands that he probably doesn't give a shit about that he doesn't really like as well but he knows other people might enjoy sure like that's a service that's that's a service that you know it takes a strong-willed person to provide for sure yeah and i mean fucking props to him because without him you know there'd be a lot of shit that was missed you know, there's a lot of stuff documented but it's good for him to go around and catch all the big fests all the big bands because uh I mean, it's interesting, and for, for, for generations to come, it'll just be available for like, oh my god, like you know, like twenty years from now, uh, whoever wants to see, <clears throat> excuse me, like uh, their terror or fucking like with no pressure or yeah, like that, or end it, dude. All those bands, it's all well. I, there's days and days, there's hours of them for recording. I think that's also the cool thing. I, I like more like I guess the retro or like older footage stuff. The fact that people send in that happen to have old footage but don't know how to clean it up or edit it, yeah, have started sending it in to Sonny oh, for him yeah. to restore it, and he's done a great job with that. Like, uh, I remember I went to Hellfest 2004, and you know there was cameras there filming it for DVD, and then we found out all right, High Roller Studios, the place that was recorded, they were going to go out of business. The DVD was never going to see the light of day and all that stuff, but they end up giving the footage to Sonny, and he's. Put, I don't know. I don't think he's put out the entire fest, but what he has, he's put out a good amount of stuff that a lot of people thought was completely lost that we were never going to see the light of day. That's crazy, man. Was that was that the uh, the Bad Luck Thirteen show? Yes, yes, it <laughs> was. Riot. That before Sunny started cleaning up like the stuff that High Roller sent them, I think that was the only thing that had like a proper release yeah it's like eight or ten minutes though it's not even but, thing. well bad like 13 had their own dvd so their mm. set instead of being on the uh, what was i think it might be one of the last things high roller actually put out uh bad like 13 had like there is like the, uh, the, a documentary dvd and one of the bonus features was the entire hellfest set uh and that was like the one thing that the one little thing that kind of snuck out of the from footage from that set i was there for that it was fucking nuts the thing is this is funny though as crazy as that set was for anyone that was there any i'm, I'm sure if you were i mean i don't know him personally uh but i could imagine if you asked joe hardcore he would probably consider that set kind of tame compared to like the crazy shit they used to do in philly oh yeah uh, like when he was booking them when he was like 14 15 years old whatever like Hellfest was nuts for anyone that had never experienced bad like 13 for anyone from Philadelphia that was going to shows in the early 2000s, late 90s, that was par for the course. <laughs> Every you day, know, yeah. That was an everything thing. And that, I think that was kind of like part of the spectacle. It was like enough people knew how stupid it was going to get and how insane it was going to be. And kind of that's – it was kind of like watching a car crash. <laughs> uh, and so you you went in there wanting to see a train wreck. Uh <laughs> But then I know there's a lot of people that saw it and were taken aback by 
the sheer insanity of it. Yeah. It's a, it's a fire extinguishers and light bulbs. Yeah, here's what I think, and I don't mean to be talking shit if I am talking shit like this. I just don't understand how people blame that for, like, Hellfest either getting shut down or because of Hellfest not being able to... How Hellfest got canceled last minute the following year. Yeah. Because of the Bad Luck 13 set the year prior. They put Bad Luck 13 on last on the stage they played. You know, they were nowhere near as big as a lot of the bands that they had played earlier in the day. Yeah. Like, if you went by popularity, they would probably played somewhere in the middle of the day. They intentionally... I, I don't... You can't tell me that they didn't put them on last because they, they knew. knew they knew how fucking nuts it was going to be. You were one hundred percent. How close were you to this shit? There's, I'm in the DVD. Oh, there's, there's, you? There's, if you go through it, there's a shot of me. I'm wearing a blue Madball jersey uh, with red letters. Uh, I'm standing. If you're have a view of the stage, I would be to what kind of like the left of the stage. One of because they had like their friends that were in like pro wrestling and stuff and would go in and like hit people with light tubes in the crowd and mm, shit like that. Yeah. One of the guys comes barreling towards me and you see me jump about <laughs> 10 feet back because uh, this dude's just bloodied and you know fucked up and glass and glass packs. and taking people out and <laughs> trash cans are getting thrown and like I didn't partake in any of the madness myself because uh, I'm a fucking coward. <laughs> but uh, I was definitely it was definitely a spectacle. And I'm definitely glad I was there for it. Uh, I don't know if this part made it onto the footage, but there's that one point because the area uh, where they were playing it was uh, it was like how Taylor Sportsplex is, how you have like soccer fields and a basketball court or yeah, whatever. Uh-huh. Their area was a basketball court with two sets of bleachers. <laughs> Some of the whatever guys were with them, I don't know if it's Philly dudes or what, they cleared out a whole section of the bleachers. And flipped the bleachers on its side. And these were big ass steel bleachers. But they flipped it on its side and started spinning it. <laughs> and it was fucking madness. Dude, because there is a video of that. I don't know if it's off the DVD or somebody had like a separate video recorder, but there is that because you see him flip it over. It starts like getting pushed. And then like security, you see like security guys like oh, secure- about it. They got a broom sweeping. Security like, and that whoever was doing sound had no idea. What was about to happen to them? Like, I think the guys that promoted Hellfest might have fucked them in a way by like not getting them cluing in. Like, oh hey, this is going to get fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I think it was it. It wasn't. I don't think I ended up being it, no because they played this hardcore. It was being advertised as like one of Bad Luck's last shows, mm-hmm. and the, that show it's was it uh, Elizabeth. It's like, like kind of like across the river from New York, but it's still only about like a two-hour drive from Philly. Okay. So everyone from everyone from Philly to drive up there, not a far drive. It's yeah. like us going to Grand Rapids. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you had all the Philly kids, anyone else from uh, around the country, people from around the world, all losing their shit to bad luck. It was, it was a spectacle to say the least. Like, uh, I can't remember who I skipped out. There was someone else that was playing one of the – Bigger, another bigger band was playing on like one of the main stages, uh, the same time as them. But like, even though I wasn't as big in the bad luck, I was just like, I have to see this, <laughs> just for how insane it's going to be. Yeah, fuck yeah! Even like tyrant shows, I couldn't touch it. <laughs> sometimes, <sighs> sometimes there, there, there was a few. Uh, the very first tyrant show was fucking nuts. Uh, I wasn't there. Uh, I think their very first one was at Alvin's. I want to say suffocate faster. Ooh. Played up here too. Uh, there wasn't a shit ton of people there. There was, a, I mean, a fair amount for an Alvin's show. Like, what was Alvin's cap? Like 300, 400? I have no idea. Probably, 
Probably less than 400. Uh, there was maybe about like 100 people there. So not a ton of people, but there was a good enough people there to like that were pretty much going crazy the entire time. Tyrant starts. They they haven't actually even started their song. It's just feedback. Dave Hayes already threw out a mic stand at the crowd. <laughs> that was like that was like that set the the pace of what was to come as far the as like tyrant shows. Oh yeah, God. Uh, that kind of set the standard, and from there on, any anytime we saw him, it'd just be nuts. Yeah, yeah. Now, I wouldn't even mosh for them. Like it was just all the older, the courage. Crew well, no, that's stuff. the thing. Sometimes it was. Sometimes it was just idea. a fun thing to watch. Yeah, like not even to like back. participate in, but just like <laughs> it was enough of like a spectacle and an event to just kind of like take in. You know. Oh yeah, it was amazing, and, and that was like that's pretty new. Maybe like a year or two in still, and it's like. I was like, for Tyrant, you know, like, they look scary. You know, Dave with the X on his face and, you know, his, uh, his throat tattooed, but a little pit bull going on the hip sometimes, you know. Like, oh, <laughs> shit. Like, and then you hear about Mo- the courage. Probably most like of the myth, time, yeah. You know, like a mysterious, scary group of guys. But obviously there's regular dudes who just, yeah. you know, well, everyone goes crazy. <laughs> Every now and then, <laughs> you know. But, See, I, I kind of like this because I think it was cool that, like, a lot, whenever shows like that would happen, especially like if Suffocate Faster got brought up, they'd bring up like a million people from Dayton and Cincinnati. Oh, yeah. With them. And it'd be just, just as, it'd be like kind of a huge event. And, uh, or would Tyrant would go down there and play there and play in Dayton and Cincinnati? It, it would be, those shows would be pretty cool as well, uh, on the opposite side of things. And, uh, I always thought those shows were really fun, even though they might have gotten people, a lot of people probably, these days would probably think a lot of that shit was way, out of hand. Oh yeah, it's uh, totally inappropriate. <laughs> but no, those, I mean, I thought they were fun, and I, it, it, that's one of those things where you don't think about how insane a lot of that shit is as it's happening. But thinking back, like I'm almost forty now, and I'm thinking back at some of that stuff. I'm just like, man, some of that shit was actually pretty insane. To any normal human being, they would think we're all fucking mental. Oh yeah, right. If you took a coworker or someone from <laughs> HR, <laughs> so from shit. HR to a fucking tyrant show. Like, what is wrong with you, you fucking oh, psycho? <laughs> the th- and that's the thing. Like, my retribution was nowhere near as scary as a band like Tyrant. But I'm sure if I showed any of my coworkers or my bosses like footage of a retribution show oh, from yeah. ten years ago, they'd be like, "What the fuck? <laughs> you crazy, Kenny?" They would. Pr- they know. They would probably think like, "I need to be locked up." <laughs> but you know, that was a good thing about it, and it's still fun. It's still wild. Like, we got a little taste of of Tyrant. Well, uh, Back in October, when I let it die to that reunion, when uh, oh of yeah God yeah did when Deviant and John John yeah that's great. I'm that show uh like the Let it Die reunion was awesome and everything, but I think one of the things which I hope I it might just be my perception, but one of the things that I loved about that show is how it was kind of half and half, where you had four older bands and four really newer bands. Uh and I think it's cool because the newer bands on there are doing some cool things right now. Yeah. Uh, D Block's awesome. Enemy of God's awesome. Uh, Iron Knife's awesome. Uh, who's yeah. the other younger band that played uh, that show? Big Deal. The Big Deal? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And Joe couldn't even sing for them either because he got COVID. Yeah, COVID. And Marcos had to sing for him. That's right. <laughs> uh, but I think all those bands and, like, most of those dudes are significantly younger than me. Not all of them. Uh, I think the only one that's, like, Somewhat closer than I'm, I'm trying to think who's even close. Rich is only a few years younger than me. Yeah, uh, that's about it. But uh, 
though, just even being, I guess, newer bands has me very excited for like Detroit hardcore and stuff like that. And I hope all those bands like keep doing bigger and bigger things. And you see D Block, D Block's doing shows out of the state, yeah, fairly often now. They they go to Pennsylvania all the time. They're headlining They're just, in Massachusetts. I don't know. I saw that fire. That, yeah, I thought yeah. that was awesome. Yeah. Like, already they're doing, like, a headline gig out of state. Like, fairly out of state. Not just, like, Ohio. It's fucking Massachusetts. Yeah, That's fucking sick. 12 hours away. 15 hours away, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, fuck. But, yeah, I... I and, and that's one of those... I really... It's D-Block in particular I really like because I feel like band, a lot of bands were... Kids were getting burnt out on, like, beatdown bands for a while because a lot of beatdown, beatdownish bands were starting to sound the same. And... D block is the first one to me that actually sounds fresh. Like they, they play that kind of style, but they do it in a way where they're, I can tell what a D block song is. You know, they're not, they're not too derivative of any single, any other band. Like I know what Camden's voice sounds like. And to me, I know what D block is when they get played. So I'm excited. Well, not reinventing the wheel, but they do have a very distinct sound. That's exactly how I feel. Like it's not, it's not reinventing the wheel. It's not something completely new. It is something familiar, but it's something that I feel like when it comes to that type of hardcore, people forgot how to write good songs in that style. Mm-hmm. And this is, it might be also be a testament because I'm assuming Rich writes most of the music. It might be a testament to how good of a songwriter Rich is because oh, yeah. pretty much anything Rich touches his hands on, where it's something super metal. Something hardcore, metalcore, whatever, drums, bass. Amazing. That dude, wherever he touches, he seems to turn to gold. He's very so, talented, yeah. yeah. I'm proud of him, proud of that band, proud of Detroit. Fuck, revving it up, man. <laughs> Just some things to come now. Yep. So, I mean, we did about an hour and a half now, so we're going to wrap it up. Wrap it up? Like, yeah, okay. We'll wrap it up. Thank you. And I mean, we can do it again. Great conversation. I can yeah. go for another hour. Honestly, I, what I think would be a cool idea is if we had like a little round table Hell or yeah. something. Like, uh, Get myself, get Barala in here, Lenny. Maybe I think that'd be cool. If, like we had like sure a big, like a bigger group thing. Like I think mm-hmm. that'd be a cool thing and just have like shoot the shit I'm kind totally of discussion. Down for it. I'm just here enjoying it too. Like this is for me to watch. You know, have the conversation. Yeah, hear other perspectives. Well, and that's yeah. the thing is, just like I can always speak on my perception and my perspective about a lot of things. I would love to have like. Memory lane kind of talk with even like more people and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. And even if nobody listens, we get to talk. Well, no, about yeah, it. it'll be fun for us. <laughs> We're so selfish about it. I'm like, this is for me. What are you talking about? <laughs> cool. Thanks. Yep.